Wow, good morning. <laughs> so Leslie didn't put any extra pressure on me. So what you're about to hear is going to blow your minds for Jesus. <laughs> that was very sweet. And we did have some really amazing uh, conversations, uh, her, her and I and Eric Cerny. We were doing some staff stuff, and they were encouraging me as much as I was encouraging them. I, I really mean that. Um, I thought that Derek and Beth and the rest of their family were going to still be on vacation today, so I was less nervous because like, oh, the boss man won't be sitting right there, and I can just, if I screw this up, it'd be like, well, it's just online, you know, I'll work on it. And now there's the added pressure that he's here, so there's that for me going. Um, and that said, we were, we were also just on vacation, my family and I, and one of my friends was with us who actually works at another church, and he was talking about how, how much raw talent that Derek has as a speaker and a communicator. So, you know, and he's only get, he's like, he's only going to get better and more skilled at the craft of being a preacher and a teacher. So, like, he set the bar pretty high for me. So, I'm like, you know, there's a lot here I'm looking up at. So, it's like, I'm going to try to get to, like, 50% of the bar that he, and I would feel good. I'm going to feel good about that if I'm able to do it. Um, I cannot promise you that you're going to like anything I'm about to say, but I can promise you that I'm giving you 100% of my heart. Like, I... I, I worked on this, and I do have a message uh, and some things that I want to communicate that I feel like are from God, so just bear with the nerves, because it's scary up here, you know? Uh, I was going to try to distract you, so like I said, we were on vacation, and I grew this super sweet vacation mustache um, that I was like, what if I, you know, got up here with a stash? Um, and Sarah, at, you know, uh, she just would constantly laugh at me. Uh, every time she looked at me, not really say too many words, my middle son, Kennedy, would just be like, you trying to look like granddad? Because my dad's had a mustache he's claimed since he was in eighth grade, which would be amazing if he did. Uh, Asher was like, sweet dad, keep it. Uh, both of my daughters were like, you got to get rid of that thing, it's gross. So yesterday at the fire station, I got cold feet and I shaved it. So if my upper lip looks whiter than the rest of my face, that's because there was a sweet stash on it yesterday. But Anyway, so uh, we're in the Reverb series, um, and I got a quick story to tell you guys before we jump into the, the sermon. Who in here is dog people or pets people? Any dog owners? Dogs, yes. Uh, the weird thing about humans, I'm 41 years old, I've learned that humans like dogs more than they like other humans. Uh, they spend a lot of money on dogs. We're dog owners. Um, my family loves dogs. But after having a bunch of children and then owning dogs, I've like grown out of this, like, I love dogs, too. I don't really want dogs. Like, they cost money, they're dirty, and they also pass away and ruin your life. Um, we had a dog named Gator. He was the greatest. I'm, I'm not just being like, uh, well, I am a dramatic person, if you can't tell, but Gator was like the greatest dog. He was a boxer. It was Asher, my oldest, who's 18. We, he, he was just like five or six when we got him, and he named him. He slept with him every night. He was beautiful. You know, they're muscular. He loved to swim in the ocean. Like, he never barked. If he barked, you better get up and go see what's going on. Like, he was just great, you know? And we really loved him, but dogs like that don't live very long. So he got eight, nine years old. He started to have some, like, health issues, and I kind of was like, oh, no, the kids were noticing stuff. So we ended up getting a second dog that lived with, with Gator at the end of, his, uh, end of his life. But what I didn't anticipate was the amount of pain I was going to feel when Gator's time had come. So, so imagine our home, we got four kids, two dogs, and one of them is at his end. So like me, the dad, it's like I've decided I can grow mustaches that I'm going to 
make this hard decision to put the dog down and I will comfort my children in my home because that's what men with stashes do. Um, so he's sick and his time has come. So we're in the vet and, you know, I, like I said, I was going to be comforting. I was a mess. It was the kids were like saying her goodbye. They're all crying sweetly and humbly. And I'm literally, the vet's in there and I'm like, no, Gator, no, Gator, please don't go. I'm just like embarrassing, making the cry noises that are embarrassing and weird. I was doing that. The vet who's looking at, she's lady vet, she's just looking at me like, this guy is a train wreck. So it was terrible. Even my kids were like, we got to comfort dad because he is a huge baby. So anyway, we, we have to bury Gator. And after this traumatic event, I don't want any more dogs that are going to cause me pain or money or any kind of trauma because we hate trauma. We run for trauma, right? But we have this other little rescue dog. It's a little blonde dog, cute. One of Sarah's friends gave it to her. It's supposed to be free, right? Free rescue dog. This is the most expensive free dog I've ever had in my life. You have never, so everybody's dog occasionally has to get like something terrible happens to him, like a, a, a little nick and they got to wear one of those cones, right? This dog's worn one of those cones like 45 times. <laughs> she drives me crazy. So we get this dog and uh, Gator's gone. So now we just have this little dog, her name's Gracie. Well, uh, several years, she, we've had her for about three years. One of my boys, I have two, we have golf clubs everywhere in the backyard because we've been getting into golf. One of them breaks the golf club, throws it in the grass. Perfect place to store a broken golf club. Yeah, ask a 15-year-old boy. Um, but it's serrated, the lung puppy's just running happy through the yard, and we're sitting there, it's late in the evening, she runs right across the, the broken part of the golf club, sliced belly right open. I don't know that there's a golf club there. All I know is we're sitting there and this dog comes running through our living room, splurting blood everywhere. Circles, my children are like, ah! The dog is jumping on the couch, spurting blood everywhere. Bleeding. It's like, oh God, this chaos. So yeah, unfortunately, the emergency room for dogs was closed that night. No, there's no such thing. It's late. So like, what are we going to do? We have to like bandage the dog up, wait till the morning. She's in pain. Uh, they want all your money when you go to the vet because that's what they do. They, they need you, the money so that they can fix your dog. It gets worse. The dog's playing in the backyard with another dog and the dog actually jumps on her, breaks her leg, break, broken leg, cast, cone. It's like more money. Again, late in the evening, emergency room's closed. So just this dog is just like this constant thing, but at the same time, like, I love the dog, you know? The dog takes flea medication. Apparently, her body chemistry's not made for the flea medication. She starts having seizures. Seizures are the worst you ever see. When she wakes out of them, she's blind and growls at you. I'm like, Lord, are, is, are you seeing what's happening to this dog? It, it, oh, it gets, it gets better. I got one. It gets way better. Here's, well, I'll tell the last one, because I got to preach and not just talking about my dog. So Asher's throwing the dog, and this dog will give you its whole soul to chase a ball or a stick. Everything it has, when you're holding the ball, it will stare into your soul like, I am here on this planet to chase this tennis ball. I swear. And this dog can run like the wind. Everyone thinks their dog is fast, but I'm telling you, my dog is faster. Ask anyone. This dog can fly. So after, well, anyway, so he doesn't have a ball. He throws a stick. She's running so fast, she outruns it before it hits the ground. I mean, just before it, it hits the ground and she runs into it. Four-inch splinter jammed into her chest, completely gone. Guess what time it was? 8.15 p.m. Dog emergency room closed. I don't understand why I love this dog, 
but I do. Like, I want to, like, you are ruining everything, your trauma, but I love the dog. What is it about dogs? Why? There's, like, this attraction that we have to animals and pets. Like, we just, we just love them. I love, my, I love this little dog, Grace. Gracie. So, what, so anyway, why am I telling you this super long story about dogs? The reason is we're in the Reverb series. Derek's been teaching us about the echo of grace, how grace reverbs and echoes. And it made me think that this whole thing with the dogs is that grace has a, an attraction. It has a gravity to it. And so that's kind of the theme of the message. So keep that in your brain, that grace has gravity. It has weight. It has a pull, just like gravity pulls God's grace pulls at us, at our hearts, of those around us. This is what God's grace is like. It has this attraction uh, about it. Um, And if there's anything that we need, that the world needs right now, is to feel the weight, the gravity of God's grace, right? Is this not what we need? Is this not what you need? Is it not what the people in our lives need? What the world needs is to feel that? Because we have a problem. We're only feeling the gravity and the weight and the burden of the world we're in. It's like Leslie said it best, we're in the valley of the unknown and it's affecting everyone. No one is immune. No one's life has not been disrupted. No one's life hasn't changed. It's, it's, it's constant. And I mean, yeah, we can talk about this all day and that's all, it feels like that's all we talk about all the time is pandemic, economy, job loss. Do we go to church? Do we not? Is school, are we gonna have school? We're not gonna have school. How many days? This unknown and it's a burden and a weight that just keeps constantly falling on us, pulling us uh, away from what we know to be true. Everyone's life is like this. It's crazy. I, everybody's life has been disrupted and it makes you question what your life is all about. And I bet you people that are, do not know Jesus are questioning even, even more than they ever have in their life. Can you think about it? We have a society that's questioning the purpose of their life and their everyday things that they do right now. James 4, um, James 4, 14. I love these words. It says, for what is your life? It is, a, it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. What is your life? A lot of people are asking, what is your life? Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, what is life? Because good, good, good luck trying to answer that one, what is life? It says, what is your life? What is your life? This is what everyone's asking, what is my life? What are we? What is our life? Things have been disrupted. We feel out of sorts. We don't feel right. We feel unknown. And what about the church? What about us, the believers? What about our lives? What about our purpose? right? We're the church. We're supposed to be a city on a hill. We're supposed to be a light, Matthew 5. We're supposed to be image bearers of Christ, Ephesians 5. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth. Does the earth not need some salt right now? Matthew 5, 13 says, you are the salt of the earth, but if it loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled by men. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I have not felt very salty for the last few months. I haven't. I have not. I mean, it hasn't all been bad. I've had some good things go on too, but I have felt unsure. I have been fearful. I have been not full of faith. I have not been a city on a hill. I have not been salty to the people around me. And I don't, I don't feel good about it. And I don't know about you, but maybe you guys don't, don't feel salty either. And what about the church as a whole, the body of Christ? So I was reading yesterday that the governor of California apparently had outlawed, and that's an extreme word, but you take, I'm extreme, outlawed singing in church services. You can't sing. 
in church. And then I was reading that they were moving forward with just completely shutting down all church services indefinitely in California. And I don't know for sure. I don't have, that's not a fact. I was just reading that that was some things that were being talked about that could happen. So what about us, the church? So now even our services are messed up. Our Christianity is changing right before our eyes. So what were we doing anyway? So now imagine it just, just keeps going on and the unknown, it continues. What about our faith? What about the church? Were we just having services and gatherings? What was, what was the purpose of that? Are we, not suppo- are we not called to more than that? Are we Christians or are we disciples? Let that weight sink on you for a second. There's a lot of people in this country that said they would probably claim Christianity, but there's not a lot of people that stand up and say, I'm a disciple. I want to make Jesus the Lord of everything that happens to me. I want, to, I want to be like him. I want to do what he says. I want to learn what he says. No, I don't say that. But isn't that what we're called to be? More than just church attenders and people that do a few good things here or there, but we're called to be salt. We're called to be light. We're called to be image barriers. We're called to be Jesus' hands and feet. What kind of followers are we? Are we bringing light, love, and salt from the ocean of grace to a hurting world? Because you know it's hurting. You're hurting. We're hurting. It's some form of fashion. We're hurting. Those around us are hurting, and they need this grace of God that's supposed to be reverberating, echoing from our lives. Are we echoing grace this morning? So now, I know that some of you are like, man, I'm glad I came to church today. This guy gets up here, reminds me of all the bad things that are going on that I have to hear about any day, and then makes me feel bad about my faith in Christianity. Sweet. What a good communicator this dude is. It's not about making us feel bad. I know those were extreme things to say, but I say that to say, let's examine our hearts and lives together this morning. Let's look at things with fresh eyes because that burden that we've been feeling of the unknown, the uncertainty, the unfear, it's just hanging on us. Let's shake it off and let's encourage one another. Let's look at things with a new perspective today because we need it and the world needs it around us, right? Fresh eyes. Let's examine our hearts. Let's challenge one another to be attractive, appealing, graced, grace-filled disciples. Let's remember that Jesus has saved us. Hey, things are bad, but look, we're, we're saved. We've been redeemed. We have a Savior that went on the cross and displayed it for the entire universe at all times, at any place, for everyone to say, look, come to me, all of you. I can give you rest. I can give you wholeness. One of the coolest verses in the whole Bible, Jesus says in Revelation, he says, behold, I make all things new. Have you ever heard anything more wonderful than that? That's his plan. He's gonna make all things new. He's gonna, he's gonna right the ship. He's gonna heal the brokenhearted because he wants to come close. This is what Jesus is like. Let's remember this. Let's encourage one another not to be down because we're all down, but to be more than that. So, Here's the challenge this morning. What would it look like to, to kind of move with these eyes, this perspective? Let's shift our thinking together. And let's, what, would, what is a disciple that's filled with this attractive uh, grace, this, this gravity of grace, this grace that has gravity look like? 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled 
to God. That's like the perfect de- definition of grace having gravity. God's making this the appeal, this attracting to others to be reconciled, to be made whole, to be made new. It's fantastic. Um, so there was this one fireman that I used to, I didn't ever know him, but I heard people talk about him. He was known as a Christian. And one of my friends told me that this guy was the happiest person he'd ever met. And I thought about that when I was thinking about getting up here and talking to you guys. And I was like, you know what? My friend that told me that, it wasn't that this dude was just a happy-go-lucky guy. What, what he was recognizing was Holy Spirit-born joy in his life. That this guy, a Christian, a follower, had produced through the power of the Holy Spirit joy, and it was attractive. So much for that this other fireman could say about him, he's the happiest person I've ever met. Can't, what if that's what it's supposed to be like? What if that's what we're supposed to be emanating. I want to read you guys a quote from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. This is, so this, the Westminster Shorter Catechism was a series of documents wrote, written over 350 years ago by these super cool dudes and doctrine people and theologians in London, okay? And, they, and basically, it was like a summary of teachings and things they wanted to kind of push towards to people to help them in their pursuit of God. And it says this, man's chief end is to glorify God or the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's actually on our website. We, we talk about that a little bit at Ocean Sea Church, even in our uh, ideals and the way we want to move forward with pursuing God. But I like the way John Piper says it more. John Piper kind of, he doesn't change it, but he expounds upon it. He, just, I love these words so much. He says, the great business of life is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Man. What if that is what the grace of gravity is supposed to look like, that we love God and we enjoy him? What if, you know, we know the greatest commandment. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and strength, and love your neighbor at yourself. What if that's not just a commandment, but it's why we're made? What if, we're, what if we're made to love him and to enjoy him and that when we surrender our lives to him, he begins to produce fruit in us that as it goes out of us, it echoes this grace that is so attractive that it brings people into the faith. It brings people into the kingdom of God. Galatians 5.22, verse 23. Think about this. I like these verses so much too. We don't talk about this enough as a people. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. These are literally what the reverb, the echo of grace looks like. This is what the transformed soul echoes. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Think about it. Is it not good to be around somebody that has that peace in them that passes understanding? Just think about right now, any of the people in your life that you've been around that produce these things by the power of the Holy Spirit, how nice and comforting it is to be around them. Have you ever been around someone that you know is truly good and it doesn't come from them and their personality, but it comes from a deeper place, something eternal about them and that goodness is comforting or kindness, Have you ever been around somebody that you knew was truly kind? Kindness is one of the most powerful things that exists on this planet that God does in us. That's why it says, against such things there is no law. You can't stop kindness. Scripture teaches that it's God's kindness that has led us to repentance. 
So think about when we are kind we, and we have the Holy Spirit working that kindness through us, we literally do what he did for us. We be, it calls those around us, it echoes to those around us to repentance. Repentance is the opportunity to come close to the throne, to have that Savior take you and make you whole. What if this is what we were to be. Maybe, maybe we need to stop trying to figure out how to do things right and just love him like it's our purpose. We just love him. We give him our heart. We tell him, Jesus, we love you. And that we begin to enjoy God. So again, I want to be really honest with you too. Those are very nice poetic words. They sound beautiful, everyone. There's no one in here who probably doesn't like the sound of that, but I want to be honest with you. None of this is easy. For those who've been a Christian a short time or been a follower of Jesus for a long time, none of this is easy. It's not easy. It's hard. You know why it's hard? Because I have problems. I've got some issues. I've got a lot of issues. I've got vices that I'm working through. I've got, I've got a lot of personal things that I am not doing right. I, what if I told you that I battle with depression from time to time? Like it jumps on me and I can't shake it. That I have anxiety. It's sometimes I be awake in my bed at night and all I want to do is go to sleep and I just feel like this tightness in my chest that I can't shake. That sometimes I'm sad about things that have happened. I struggle. And sometimes I don't feel Jesus like this. Sometimes I doubt. Let me be honest with you. I have doubts too. I, I struggle with some things in this belief of this Christianity stuff. It's not easy. None of it's easy. Some of, you, some of you might feel the same as me. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe someone has hurt you and took advantage of you, and now you're hurt, and you're lonely, and you're not seeing any resolution, and you're like, where's God? It's not easy. And we're not living in easy times right now either. But Jesus never promised that if we followed him that it was going to be easy. In fact, he said he told you, he says he knows it's going to be hard, right? He never promised that it would be easy, and he doesn't expect us to figure all this out in an instant. What he does expect is to when we are struggling, when it is hard, that we go to him. That we don't turn our backs and look for some other place to get the weight off us, that we go to him because he wants to take the weight off of us. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. This is some of the best stuff, these verses, that you could try to get into your soul that you'll ever read. I'm I'm convinced. Listen to Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Are there people in the world right now that are weary and burdened? And we got the cross on display. We got Jesus calling out to all of us, come to me if you're weary and you're burdened. This is the heart of Jesus. This is what he's like. This is what our Savior is like. He's saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Oh my gosh. Take take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is our Savior. This is our Redeemer. This is our Lord. If you're a disciple, this is, who he, this is who he is. He calls to us when it's hard, when it's difficult, when the world just feels like it's just waiting on you, come to me. 
So the desire of this Jesus that we claim to follow wants to take those burdens off of us and put his yoke on us. What is that yoke? It's the, it's the gravity of grace. He wants to just put it on us and he wants to give us rest. He wants to give us rest from our depression. I don't know if he's gonna fix it right then, but I know he wants to give me rest from it because he says. He wants to give you rest, even if it's just for a little bit, he wants to give you rest from your anxiety that you just, just feel like you shake and you cry out, ask God to take it away from me. He wants to give you rest from that, from your loneliness or, your, or your, your, whatever your struggle is personally. You're, this Jesus that we preach from these church services and these church gatherings, this is what he's like. He wants to give you rest. <clears throat> so here is the, the big challenge this morning. Take a sip of this real quick. When I get nervous, my mouth dries up really bad. And then I feel like my lips are sticking to my face. So you already got this white upper lip. You don't need sticky lips to stare at either. Um, So here's the challenge for the day. Grace has a gravity. Let's access the grace that God has for us. It has a gravity. It has a weight. Let's love him. Let's love God like it's our purpose. It's like our destiny. Let's, let's explore the idea of enjoying who he is and what he's like. Let's take what God gives us. Let's go near to Jesus. Let's echo the ocean of grace to those around us, our neighbors, our peoples. Let's love our neighbors as ourselves. Let's explore that. Let's experiment with that. Let's challenge one another to do that. This is the kind of things that we do in city groups here. This is, we're trying to love each other. We're trying to encourage the people in our groups to love their neighbors, invite their, their, their neighbors and their friends and their peoples that are hurt and need Jesus into their homes or into, you know, into restaurants and things like that. But you know, when it gets hard, when we start to struggle, I, I want to encourage you with two things. And if you didn't hear anything I said this morning, these are two things that I specifically felt like God was impressing upon me to say to whoever is supposed to hear it. Yeah, go love God. Go be this super happy Christian disciple and and echo grace. But when it gets hard and when you struggle and when you're hurting, you come to him. And when you do, you use repentance and rest as your weapons repentance and rest as your weapons against the world and all of its forces that pull upon you. Use repentance and rest as your weapons against your own evil self and your own evil thoughts and the things that are trying to drag you down. Use repentance and rest because why? When we use repentance, repentance is the path to go to him, right? That's how we get to where the cross is. That's where it is. We use repentance. We pour everything out in front of him. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us before we even loved him. Use repentance to go near to Jesus, to get near to God. And when you get there, you rest in him. You rest from the things that, and let him, let him put that rest on you. You hide in him. Colossians 3 says that your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's what rest is. You hide behind your father. Doesn't mean all your problems are gonna go away, but he's your safe place. He's your place of rest. He's the one who'll take care of you no matter what. You go to him. You use repentance and rest as your weapons. Jesus says, come the cross is always on display, no matter, that's one of our core tenets here at this church. No matter where you are or what you're going through, your cross is always, you can always find it. It's always there. 
When we get near to God, we need to rest in him. I'm going to close with a, a story. Um, so one of my close friends is, uh, he just made like this major move, right? His, he's got two teens, one preteen and one uh, teen age. I think they're 13, 14, 15 years old. So he, he, and he's married, so they, they made this major move. They, changed, they felt like they were supposed to make this big move. They had different, different city, different language actually, moved everybody off. And he's been telling me over the last few months how terrible, well, not terrible, how difficult it's been. The kids have struggled. You know how it is being a teenager and you're starting to get into uh, uh, that age and you're trying to make friends and it was going so bad. And they were just, some of the kids were starting to tell him and his wife some things that they were struggling with that they didn't even know what's going on. And his wife was, was not, it was not going very easy for them. And then what? Coronavirus hits. So now they're already not able to really figure out how to connect with people because we want to be around people. But now they're shut up in this uh, house for several months and can't go anywhere. So he was just, he was telling me all about this, this struggle that he was going through. And I'm just listening to him. But here's the thing about this guy. He's constantly, in the middle of his struggle, he's constantly encouraging me. He's constantly sending me uh, scripture and encouraging texts. He'll send me these audio uh, clips on, that you can get through text messages. Of, and every time it's to encourage me. And I'm not doing that for him. I'm like, I am, why am I not doing this for him more? So he's, he's, he's struggling, right? But he's also encouraging me. So right in the middle of all this stuff, you know, when your kids struggle, it's the worst thing ever. If you don't have kids, if you ever do, if, you, if your ch- child has any struggle, no matter what age, you just hate everything about it. It just, it's awful and you want to fix it and some things you can't fix. And so he's dealing with that. So he's got it, all this stuff. And then he starts to tell me, he's like, yeah, when we first moved here, I had uh, these people that my wife and I met and we, we just saw them and we just loved them. We just loved them. This was his words cool guy and he's like we loved him and we just started to pray with him we felt like God was was wanting them like that we just had that vibe coming from them so he said for a whole year they've been living over there about a year a whole year they've just been praying for these people and before coronavirus went they oh so these people owned a little restaurant this is so cool so they were going to the restaurant to like support these people and why they're there they're buying eating food and they're bringing other people there and uh they're silently praying for them the whole time that God would just open their hearts, that they would experience God's grace for a whole year. Coronavirus shut their little business down. It opened back up. He goes, we made sure to bring as many people that had enough guts to come. And he said this too, we made sure to spend a lot of money in there because we're trying to support them. I mean, this is brilliant. So he's struggling, but at the same time, he's like pursuing Jesus and pursuing his neighbor. So then he calls me and he says, hey, I got to tell you something. After this whole year, these people invited us to their house. And we had never like done that kind of thing. And he said, we spent seven hours in their home and their kids played with our kids. And we had this big barbecue and we just, it was just an incredible time. He goes, I think that God is doing something. And I'm like, geez, you think? You're like struggling, man. You have all these things and here you are. So yeah, you didn't, he didn't call me to say, yeah, the Holy Spirit came down in fire and these people got super duper saved. He said, we had a good seven hour barbecue. God is working. And maybe this is what it is. 
So as we go forward in our pursuit of Jesus and we struggle that, yeah, we, we still are pursuing him. We're still echoing grace. And, we get, and, and if we continue to use those eyes to see that gravity has grace on us and those around us, that this is maybe when the Holy Spirit does his best work, right? Maybe the Holy Spirit does his deepest work when we love people, even when it's hard for us. Will you stand? I'm gonna pray, but I wanna remind you, repentance and rest are your weapons against this world and against your, your own struggles. Let's pray. Father, we worship you, Jesus, and we honor you, God. We pray that you would be glorified, Jesus, that you would help us, God, to not, not be down, not let our hearts be troubled by the things that are going on around us, Jesus, but that we would go to you because you want to give us rest and you love us. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name.